Hey, this is Jersh. This is The Hammer. And you're listening to Movies and Metal. Uh, you can call the station to join the conversation or email us, joshandaroundstudios at gmail.com. So Mark uh, just left my presence after hitting the record store this morning. Uh, where did we go? Uh, we went to uh, Ragged, Record, uh, Ragged Records on 2nd Street in Davenport, Iowa, our uh, fancy little record shop that we have down here. I was going to ask if you know how long that they've actually been open, if they've been around a while or if they're new. Um, that location, they've been there for a while. Um, probably, it's probably getting close to 10 years Dang. in the area. So, yeah, so I'd never been there before, and... Since this is our this is uh, an experiment, we're seeing how we feel about it, see how it goes. We have an idea of uh, a show where we can talk about just the different <laughs> movie and music bullshit that we talk about all the time. Figured, why not try recording it and see if anybody wants to listen. Um, and I guess this episode, I wanted to talk about ragged. I've never been there, and I know there's a lot of music shit there. And I wanted to ask you about a couple of the albums that we looked at while we were there, or really more of the bands. So you mentioned that uh, that Pearl Jam is is not your jam. <laughs> well, um, I mean, I really, what... really, really like Ten, but beyond that, I've never been into anything beyond Ten. I was going to ask you, so uh, so what is it about that album that you liked, and what is it about the rest of their music that doesn't work for you? What And what did we see at the record shop that even made us have that conversation? Uh, well, we saw a copy of, uh, I think it was Versus. Yeah, it was Versus on a uh, cassette copy of Versus. And uh, I had made a I, it really only caught my attention because I knew it was a newer thing that they must have just gotten in. And uh, I mean, as, as someone in my youth, I had at the, the current all of the Pearl Jam albums that had been out and, until that point. And uh, beyond ten, I just didn't think any of them ever had the same uh, emotions and uh, aggression. Aggression and energy is a big thing for me. And uh, I just didn't, I don't think that Versus, No Code, uh, Vitalogy, I don't think it ever truly had anything in there. And I mean, I think it's a, a lot of bands kind of get into that with their first records. They're, they're very young and they're uh, hungry, sometimes figuratively and literally. And then they just, they don't maintain that. And that's okay. I mean, we, you don't need to, I don't need to listen to, you know, uh, world famous musicians bitching about being poor or you know what do you be Paul Stanley once famously <laughs> said like what like what do you want me to write songs about like how mad I am on my maid like it's hard when you get famous to write relatable music and uh, I think Protest done a good job for that with some people just for me they don't mirror what I'm looking for gotcha and have you have you ever seen them live no, they you know they didn't tour 
a ton in my in the time when it would have been affordable and something I'd have been interested in doing. Um, I, I mean, they had their failed Ticketmaster boycott tour thing, and uh, they just didn't. They weren't doing a lot. And then by the time that they started doing more shows, or I became old enough to like get to a show that was not in my backyard, uh, they right. were so big and so. I mean, it's so hard to get tickets to see them now. And they, they were they were local a couple of years ago, and it was too expensive and too difficult to get tickets, so I didn't even bother. Dang. Um. What? Uh. Okay. So ten. So ten landed for you. Nothing else has. Um. I don't know what my opinion of Pearl Jam is. I, I like their greatest hits. Um. But I've never had a. Uh, you know, life-changing or serious interest in them. I enjoy the hits. Um, I think Stone Temple Pilots is the same way for me, where I love the greatest hits, but uh, I've never actually bought and listened to an album start to finish. Um, but something else that we saw there um, that I actually really liked was the Slipknot Subliminal Verses Volume 3 album. And I I know that you had told me a story about the you hearing their first record, but I wanted to ask your opinion of uh, the subliminal verses. If you listened to that, what if any tracks landed with you, and if you've ever seen them live at all? I'm curious about that. Um, there's lots to unpack there. Um, being a early thirty-something metalhead who grew up in Iowa, um, I'm very I guess you would call it long relationship to Slipknot, really. Like you said, uh, I've literally been into them since the summer their first album came out. Um, I remember I bought every album that they've released the day it was released, with the exception of the first one. Uh, Subliminal Verses was an interesting go because it was it had been a while since they had released anything, um, 2001 to 2004. Now in my life, it doesn't seem like that far, but that's that's literally, you know, one one of those years I was in high school, and the other year I was not in high school. So it just, uh, but I, Global Versions came out, and it was a really big deal because it was kind of this return. Kind of in a band that we honestly just didn't know what was going on. Um, well, because they, they did Iowa before that one, right? Yes, Iowa was Iowa was the uh, sophomore album. That one was an interesting. Okay. That was their heaviest. It's it. There's parts of it that they they borrow a lot of death metal techniques to it. Lyrically, it's really weird. Like it doesn't make like there's parts of it that are like laughable, but musically that is fantastic. So Vilma Versus is kind of what kind of brought them back in a big way, and they had some good singles. And I honestly, it's not one I listen to a ton. I never have. I mean, I, when it when it came out, I listened to it a lot, but I I like everything they put out, but nothing rivals the first album for me. I uh, I think I was in college as well when that came out, and I I was telling you earlier that's definitely the that's the album where I took them seriously because like that I guess what was their what was their big wait and bleed was their big single their their big song yeah. Uh, that was the first record, notice. yeah. Yeah. Like, when I heard that song for the first time, I loved uh, Corey Taylor's voice and the melody and singing, but the screaming stuff I just couldn't get into. But then for some reason, with 
volume three, like I even found the screaming melodic and just as catchy as the singing parts. And that kind of made me retroactively appreciate Slipknot. And I've been a fan kind of ever since, really. Uh, I buy, that's one of the bands that I, I buy their albums sight unseen as well, where it's like, oh, new Slipknot's out. Bye. You know, like I don't even think about it. Um, kind of off subject, but what is your opinion of the Stone Sour stuff? Um, I, you know, the first record came out at a time where that was something that I was very into that style. Like it really, it made sense. I don't, I haven't listened to anything beyond their first album. I saw Stone Sour once in Peoria and, you know, it's one thing that they very, that they do that I do like, I don't think I own a, a legit copy, but I've YouTubed it enough to be pretty familiar with it is they've released, I think it might be two EPs now called Meanwhile in Burbank. Part one and two, I think, that's how they're, they're numbered. But they're cover EPs. It's all hmm. Stone Sour doing cover songs. And it's pretty... It's awesome because Corey Taylor has, when it comes to a singing voice, whether it's a hard rock singing voice or a melodic singing voice, he's exceptionally unique and talented. The screaming mm-hmm. he's also very good, but I don't I don't think that's his that's his strongest suit. I think his strongest suit is solid hard rock singing. And to hear him do uh Love Gun is on that record or E P I should say. <laughs> um and there's a few I can't remember what the other ones are now, but there might be a holy diver or something. Oh, really? But it's very it's 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 awesome. It's, but it's like it's probably six or seven tracks and they're all covers and they're like that. Like they're like the every rock metal fans like seven like seven uh seven tracks you'll love. Um uh, uh oh damn it, there's an Allison Chain song. Uh cool. I can't think of what the other there's for there's for sure an Allison Chain song on that E P. No kidding, that's freaking awesome. So you haven't so you have you heard their album The Audio Secrecy? No, I don't think I have. I'll have to play it for you sometime. It's all it's all really catchy shit and really simple stuff, but uh it's pretty solid. I was pretty happy with it. Um They just so, announced they just announced that uh this year at Knotfest, instead of Slip not playing at Knotfest, Stone Sour is going to take that role. What? Yeah. That's weird. Um yeah. I mean, is it not <laughs> is it not Knotfest? Yeah, well, I think I think that they're trying to build. I I think they're trying to 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 do the opposite of what Ozfest did, and that is provide people with a headliner that is not the same band. Um, Mm. I mean, every year I went I went to Ozfest from 2000 through 2007, and every year except one, uh, I it was either Ozfest, Ozzy, or Black Sabbath, and Mm. it was just like. After a while, you're like, I, there was one year I left before Black Sabbath even played, and the, I mean, I, I just I don't regret it. I, you'd think I would because now they're not a band anymore, and <laughs> I almost and I almost I was making plans to try to get, catch one of their last shows in the states, but there I was in 2005, leaving early to get home because uh, it was a three-hour drive, so trying to get home as early as possible because I had seen it every damn summer since I was 16 through. 23 um, and yeah and you know it it was never bad but it was like I mean, when you think about 
you know, you every year you'd look at the outfit schedule and you'd say, oh, man, who's playing? Oh, this headlining band's cool. I wish that they could get 25 extra minutes instead of, you know, seeing Ozzy play Crazy Train again. Yeah. And I think something else maybe, I think something else might be trying to, to do, to not fall into that, like, that, because it almost, I mean, if you know, if you're going to, oh, yeah, every year, you know, Slipknot's going to do this, it kind of cheapens it a little bit, like, so maybe they sure. can take a break, and, uh, and they, and they tour so much anyway, it's not, I mean, no, it's, I think it makes, it makes some sense. I just think that if you're going to do something like that, you should really uh, be sure that whatever you're replacing is up to your, is up to par and up to standards. I think Stunt Sour is an interesting choice. But I think in the future it needs to be something cool. But it, I mean, it all depends on what you want. Because what I think is cool and like a big, big draw is not necessarily the same that the festival actually needs. Right. Cool. Um, well, Mark, where can we follow you on Twitter? I think my handle is. But I, if you tweet at me, I we'll see if I get it. Uh, maybe I'll check <laughs> it if this actually takes off. I think it's at Mark the Hammer G on Twitter. I think you're right. I think for Zach's basement, that's what it was too. Uh, and I'm at Cinemaker Josh. That's the word cinema. The letters K E R. The name Josh. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitch.tv/CinemakerJosh. Uh, as always, call the station to join the conversation or email us Josh Around Studios at Gmail dot com. See you later, Hammer. See you, Josh.